makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's, ooh, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and then we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You know, yesterday I, I, I couldn't help but think of this passage, uh, especially the part where it talks about a small spark starting a blazing fire. Uh, some of you may have seen on, on, on Facebook or may have gotten the news in another way that our dear Harris family... Um, can't find you, Rashonda. There you are. <laughs> uh, that their their house caught on fire uh, on Monday, and uh, it yeah it did a lot of damage. And so there was a group uh, of us that uh, went out and helped yesterday with a little bit of excavation and a little bit of uh, cleaning up and uh, starting some of the demo stuff. So in in that group, great. That's the body of Christ right there at work. And, and by the way, I, I asked permission to share this. <laughs> I'm not doing this without their permission. In fact, I, when I asked Greg, he said, yeah, sure, take pictures. I'll send you some pictures. And so these are pictures that he actually took. I didn't take these. Um, but, yeah, when we look at, at that, we see, th- th- let, me, let, me, let me show you the picture that, that gets me the most, that, that really, really. So you see, see, yeah, see right here what this is? That's their dining table. That's their dining table. And you see right there it says gather right above it. You see, last week that was a place where the family would gather and have a meal. Last week that was a place where the family would gather and, and, and fill their bellies but fill each other's lives with stories and encouragement and challenges and, and all of that good stuff. Do you get the metaphor here? Do you get it? All it takes is just one little word, one little spark, that one thing that the person says. And, and the person who says it sometimes, it's insignificant to them. They don't even remember what they said. But you remember every word. You remember the facial expression. You remember the tone of their voice. Maybe it was your mom. Why, why can't you be more like your sister in your heart? in your head. Maybe it was your teacher. You, you know, I just don't think you're ever going to amount to anything. Maybe it was maybe it was the school bully, you big fat sissy. Maybe it wasn't something that was said to your face. Maybe it was whispers behind your back and maybe it, maybe it, maybe it was something that was true or maybe it was just a half truth or maybe it was a flat out lie, but it didn't matter what it was because it was destructive. It was destructive, and it only took this little spark, and then that relationship was forever damaged. It was destroyed, and your life was forever changed because of the words of someone else that were spoken carelessly. 
They have the power of life. They have the power of death. Words said in anger or frustration or fear or, 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 or gossip that spread out of somebody's insecurity. And in the book of Philippians, it even says that our grumbling and our complaining can be sinful. Grumbling and complaining. You know, the University of Denver did a study about negative talk and negativism in, in marriages. And they said that if, if a marriage has 10 negative comments out of 100, then that marriage is more likely to end in divorce than others. Just 10 out of 100. We need a voice reset. But did you notice something? Something concerned me in, in the, uh, the passage that we read from James 3. I don't know if it bothered you. But if you looked at verse 8, it says, No human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. So, so why are we here? Why are we having this conversation? No human being can Thank you. Good to see you. <laughs> you know, we're done. But if there's nothing we can do about it, what do we do? Well, take a second look. Take a second look at that verse. It says, no human. But then in another place, in another context, another time, Jesus had something to say about that, didn't he? In Matthew 19, he said, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, that is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So let me, let me remind you how it works. This is going to kind of be a re- review of this series. We remind you that, that these resets, one builds on the other. In the, in the first weeks, we said that the reset must begin with the reset of your heart. That means a heart that's surrendered to God, a heart that has fallen back in love with him and that wants to please him. So it starts there. It's got to start there. And, and we, we've said that the other resets won't matter if it doesn't start there. And then secondly, we see that, that this, once Jesus has redeemed our heart and our soul, then he begins this process of renewing our mind and our thoughts and the things that we continually tell ourselves and that we allow to be told to us. And then, then, then the words, then the words. I want to hear it straight from Jesus' mouth. So I want us to take a look at Luke 6, Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at the 43rd verse. And it echoes what we've already read from James 3. James 3, 11 and 12 kind of, they they kind of sound very similar to, to some of the language that Jesus uses here. Luke 6, 43, Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree good fruit bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. You store it up. And an evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the the mouth, this is important, for the mouth speaks what? What the heart is full of. (laughs) I'm going to meddle with you and me. Okay, so don't feel like I'm just picking on you. We sing, word of God, speak. Won't you pour it out like rain? We sing it in here. And then we go out and get in our car and turn on and listen to the radio, sing songs that, are, that's, that, that have lyrics that are against everything the word of God speaks against. <laughs> um, pointing to me too. We listen to sermons and we take notes. And then, then we go and we watch those reality shows that Paul was, those non-reality shows that Paul talked about last week that just fill our mind with, with garbage. We want to plant apple seeds and then pick oranges. 
<laughs> we just don't take it seriously, do we? If we're going to reset our voices, we've got to reset first our hearts and our minds. And that means feeding them with things that honor God and that please God. Ephesians 4, Paul commands the church. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That is the benefit of those who listen. But then verse 31 in that same chapter, he says, get rid of all bitterness. It's a process, but get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Now, what get rid of means is get rid of. It's like, it's like um, let, me give you, let me give you an example. In the spring, that's when the spiders start building their big old webs. And um, you want to see me get rid of something? <clears throat> if, if you're walking with me at night and I walk into one of those spider webs, I am getting rid of that spider web however I can. I will speak the name of Jesus, but I'll be like, I got to get rid of this. And, 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 and Stacy will tell you, I'll come in the house. If I ever come in the house, I'm like, is it on me? Is it on me? Is it on me? Is it on me? Check again. Check again. If you see me doing that, you know I walk through a spider web. That's getting rid of. That is everything in your power, everything in your mind, everything in your being, every power that you can call on to get rid of malice and rage and anger and brawling and slander and these, these things that are poisoning our speech. So I want to talk about, very quickly, three prayers that we can pray specifically that go along with, Lord, reset my voice. The first one is this, Jesus, reset my voice to glorify you. We look, at, we look again at James, and he said it plainly in verse 10, out of the mouth, some, out of the same mouth, some praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now, this, this cursing is not just cussing <laughs> right here. It's anything that, that detracts from the glory of God. Anything that detracts from his glory is a, is, is a curse. And so our daily prayer should be Psalm 19 instead. Psalm 19 says, and some of you know this probably by heart, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Again, it's often that this non-God glorifying talk comes from seeds that, that were planted by words from the enemy. Some of these seeds, again, were words that we complicitly allowed him to plant by, by watching stuff and listening to stuff and, and that good stuff. And then sometimes those words have come from, from other people. We didn't choose the words. It comes from, from uh, painful things in our past, but those words are still there. And so we've got to, to rip rip out some weeds and, and, and plant some new seeds, plant some new seeds. And, and, and we do that by affirming the word of God in our lives. We affirm the word of God. And that means, first of all, you got to read the word of God and, and begin to know it. But then also you begin to retell yourself what, what God says about you and others and himself. Notice in that, that, that Psalm that we just read, Psalm 19, it says the meditation of my heart. So that's more than just a passing thought, right? That's what I, what I dwell on. That's what I dwell on. May the meditation, what I dwell on, be acceptable in your sight. And so we got to meditate on his word. Remember, Jesus said that, that how we speak is a snapshot of what we dwell on, of, of what our heart is. It's a snapshot. Yeek. And then next we say, Jesus 
please reset my voice to speak life, to speak life. I love Proverbs 15, 23. It says, a person finds joy in giving an apt apt reply, and how good is a timely word, a right-on-time word. Have you ever said something to somebody, and it wasn't profound? It was something that probably had been said to them a million times before, but it was the, the right situation in their lives, the right time, their hearts and their ears were open, and you said it, and it made a huge difference in their lives. You know, that's, that's a timely word. It doesn't have to be profound. It just has to be truth, and it has to be right in what they need to hear. Uh, pre, uh, there's a minister, Kyle Eidelman, and he tells this story. When he was in third grade, he got glasses. They were big old Ralphie A Christmas Story glasses, you know, on that little face. Can you imagine? And he walks into his third grade classroom, and he hears the laughter, and he hears the snickers, and he hears the jeers. And then his teacher immediately took action. She said, Kyle, come up here. Come up here. Do you know who you remind me of? You remind me of Clark Kent. Well, he just went, that's Superman. That's Superman. And so he was able to take that moment and take those words, and it just, it, it, simple words. That teacher probably didn't, didn't think about that the next week. She's like, that's just what I do. For him, he's on a stage as an adult 30 years later telling the story because it meant that much to him. It meant that much to him. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Speaking up and saying something when the Holy Spirit nudges us just a little and says, you need to say something. We speak life. And when we do, we're following the example of Jesus. Think about it. To the wind and the waves, Jesus said, be still, and he spoke peace. To Lazarus, he, he demanded, come forth, and he spoke restoration and resurrection. To Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again, and he spoke truth. And to the man with the withered hand, he spoke healing. And, and to the disciples, he spoke rest. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. And to us, he speaks hope. He says, I come, I'm going to come for you. Take heart. Don't give up. I will come again. And then sometimes speaking life does take a little bit of courage. Sometimes it's beyond just a little nudge. Sometimes we have to muster our courage or ask God for that courage, actually. I love what Proverbs says. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Martin Luther King Jr. echoed this when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. So remember what was said earlier. Our words have power of life. They have power of death. And and it made me think of this. Six years ago, the church started. But there was seven and a half years ago when I was sitting and thinking, okay, what can I put in this video to start raising some money so this church can start? And I remember over and over in that video, I kept using the words, this, this place on the south side that is often forgotten needs some restoration and some resurrection. If you saw that video, you remember me using those words. That, that was speaking life. But then I thought, you know, I said that back in that video. And then I think, how often do I think use disparaging words about the south side? I want to I confess to you, it happened yesterday in a store with one of my friends who is sitting here, and I said it. I was like, we got poor service in that store, and 
I was like, yeah, that's the south side for you, isn't it? That's not life. That is not speaking life. God wants us to speak life and his word, even when it seems like things are hopeless. There's a strange story in the Bible, but I love this story. It's in the Old Testament, and it's about the prophet Ezekiel. Now, I don't know if you've read Ezekiel lately. You ought to go back and read it. Some, some interesting stuff. But Ezekiel was a prophet during the time when, when Israel was taken captive by Babylon. So he's, a, he's kind of a prisoner, but kind of can go anywhere he wants. And so he, he's a captive. And uh, the people were pretty hopeless, and they weren't listening to him. And he was preaching repentance, and they weren't listening to him. But then, then Ezekiel has a vision. He, he, he has this vision that God calls him to this valley. And this valley is full of bones and skeletons. And so he's looking out and thinking, what in the world is this all about? And God asks him a question. Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live again? And I love how Ezekiel answers. He says, well, only you know that, God. (laughs) I like that answer. That's a good answer, Ezekiel. Good answer, good answer. And then God said, you know what I want you to do, Ezekiel? I want you to say to these bones that my word is that they will have life, that they will have breath. And guess what? He spoke the word of God to those bones, those rotting, past rotting skeletons and bones, and they started coming together and forming, and flesh started coming on, and he spoke to them again, and breath came into them, and they became, the spirit came into them, and they were walking around human again. He spoke life into something that, oh, it was beyond dead. It had decayed. You notice what Ezekiel did? He listened to what God said, then he said the word of God, and then he watched what God did. And then the third prayer that we can pray is, God, Jesus, reset my voice to share you. All right, some of you are nodding off a little bit. So I'm going to have you stand up just for a second, and then I'm going to have you sit down after we do this. But stand up, and I want you to read this, these two verses from Psalm 71 out loud with me, okay? And say it like you mean it, if you mean it, all right? You ready? Verse 15, my mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Amen, amen. Now you can be seated. All day long. That's a pretty lofty goal, right? Can you do that? Can you do it all day long? I don't know. But, but here's where I want us to start. How about we just start with, with just telling one person. Just one person. Just pray for one opportunity to tell them the story of Jesus. You know, studies have shown that we talk mostly, 60% of our conversation is about one subject and one subject only. Guess what it is? Yourself. That's right, 60%. Now go to social media and bump that up to about 80%, right, or more. What if we began to obsessively talk about God the way we obsessively talk about us? Oh, you can even talk about yourself because there's another song that says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, tell their story. So you can start with you. You can say, okay, this was me. And this is what God is doing in my life and who he is in my life. And this is God. So, yeah, you can still talk about yourself. Just start with you and then end up with God. 
In the spring of 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. preached a message reminding his listeners that the greatest task before them was the task of representing Christ even in the midst of a great conflict. And this is a great quote. I want you to listen to him. He says, We need to pledge ourselves anew to the cause of Christ. We must capture the spirit of the early church. Wherever the early Christians met, they made a triumphant witness for Christ. Whether on the village streets or in the city jails, they daringly proclaimed the good news of the gospel. Amen. So these three prayers are very important for us to pray as we reset our voice. I think it's very important appropriate and important that today we're we're talking about Jesus resetting our voices for his glory and then we're going to be inducting our new pastor and if you watch the video some of you may not have seen it you can go online and watch it you saw that the um, the selection team was pretty doggone excited and what excited them most was Lamar's passion for preaching the word for preaching the gospel and 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 for uh just the, the craft of preaching. And so today, at the end of the sermon right now, we're going to um, just have a, this is about as formal as we get, y'all. <laughs> we're going to have a, a time of induction, uh, and that just basically means, hey, you're it, tag, let's go. <laughs> okay? So um, I'd like to ask um, Lamar, if he would, to, to, to come on up. And also for Paul and Jamie and Cedric and Adam, y'all come on up too.